Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut. Jiggy Jag. You know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I have a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22 Jiggy. Hey Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, <laughs> David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Well, 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 well. It is the big broadcast. We are live. We are coast to coast. We are board to board. We are high on radio. Jiggy Jaguar Show. The man in the radio industry is shut the hell up. Jigman Freud. Okay, let's do this. We are going to go to our first guest of the show. It is going to be Tim Murphy. He is going to join us. And uh, we are also going to be joined by IQL Rizzoli, the fantastic Dan, uh, not Dan Perkins, it's Thursday. It'll be Don Mazzella today. And, uh, oh, Don, if Don heard me call him Dan Perkins. <laughs> Oh, boy. That would work out well for me. Uh, Get a hold of us online over there at JiggyJagwire.com. That is your best spot to see what we are up to. And uh, we are going to go to the fantastic... um, Why do we have four people in this meeting? What is going on here? Stephen Apkin. We're going to remove Stephen Apkin from the call. I don't know why Stephen Apkin is there. But uh, we are going to go to the fantastic. Uh, what, what, what is going on here? I don't know what is going on here. Stephen, can you hear us, my friend? Are you there? I can hear, I can hear you great. Perfect. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Perfect. Uh, I don't know why Stephen Apkin is with us. Why is Stephen Apkin with us? I don't know. Okay, let's do this. Let's go to uh, Tim Murphy. He is going to be our guest. Uh, we are going to get Tim Murphy in here. So let's start this uh, skip a Skype, as they say. The fantastic skip a Skype. So we are going to have to get some people in here. And for that, we are going to get IQ Rizzoli, and we are going to get Don Mazzella, and we are going to... Jump off the good foot and do the bad thing, as they say. 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard. That is where you will find the big broadcast. And uh, apparently Al Rizzoli is going to join us, the fantastic Al Rizzoli. 
Don Mazzella will be with us today. We are going to find Don. Supposedly we haven't chatted with Don in over a year, according to Skype. I think Skype is stalking me or something. I don't know what's going on with Skype. It's got all sorts of things happening. Okay, uh, what in the world is going on? There's IQ Rizzoli. And uh, let's do this. I am so. Let's do this. We are going to get our guest, uh, Doctor Murphy, in here first. And I think we've got IQ with us. IQ, can you hear me, my friend? I don't know if IQ can hear us or not. Hmm. It's always interesting dealing with technology. Let's do this. Let's add Don to the call. I don't know what the do... What? There, There's Don Mazzella. I don't know what yes, I am. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's going on, but I've got you. So that 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 is all that matters. Uh, I was trying to Skype you earlier, and I just couldn't. Uh, I couldn't get you. I don't know, but we've got you now, which is good. Yeah, but no picture, but that's okay. You don't need my face. <laughs> so uh, we are going to get our first guest in here. Doctor Tim Murphy is going to be with us. Here in just a few seconds, I'm going to find him on the uh, the old skip of Skype, as they say. <clears throat> and uh, I think IQ is with us. There is. Can IQ. you hear me? I've got IQ Al Rizzoli. Look at that. We have. Uh, wow. Miracles can happen. Miracles can happen, as they say. Uh, it, it's it, it's like the miracle on ice or whatever. Um, do you believe in miracles? Do, do you believe in technology miracles? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Only in technology miracles. Nothing else. Uh, the miracle is that you can do this every week. Well, <laughs> I technology wise, IQ, uh, you are going to be. Um, let's see. Maybe maybe Tim Murphy is with us. I don't know. Apparently not. Okay, well, we'll do this. I will call him. He called office. earlier, by the way. I will call him and get him. Yeah, yeah, he called earlier. I heard him. And uh, there we are. We will get him in here that way and uh, see what happens here. But uh, there, I believe, is our guest, Dr. Tim Murphy. Can you hear us, my friend? Uh-oh. Dr. Tim, can you hear us? Yeah, I hear a lot of noise in the background. I'm going to put my earphones on, all right? Hey, that's fine. Uh, that That's probably a, a, a good way to drown out some of that shenanigans that'll... Yeah, uh, that better. That'll be going on. Uh, I tried to get you on Skype... Oh, well, I... But I, for whatever I, I, I reason... I'm wrong. I, I can do Skype if you want. That would be awesome if you could, but I tried me, to get you. Let me you, turn it back on. I tried to get you, it and was... it wouldn't okay, take. I, <laughs> I'm putting it on now because I had it down for a little bit later, but let me just. 
Um, I was going to sign on a little bit. So let me get Skype rolling. So it's coming up on my screen. Because I, I tried to call you on Skype, and it... All right. I apologize. No, I'm no, so no, sorry. no. You're good. You're good. I, uh, the fact that you're going to be talking now, to me it, and Don and IQ this, today is, uh, is, is, is fantastic. And, uh, now, would this also be video too? This will be audio? video and audio. We've, we've, we've got the, we've got the whole shebang as they say here. Okay. Let me so. get ready with my white microphone. So I'll, I'll, um, uh, I got Skype loading up here. Because basically, as uh, I've already I've already tried to call you on Skype, so you should have some sort of thing that said that I called you. Yeah, so <laughs> it me, should have some notification me, or something. Let me make sure I've got the right uh, password here. Because the one, because the because <sighs> the Skype that I have is doctor at gmail dot com. Hmm. Right, right. So let me sign in here. Where's my sign in? So, did, did you get me on, on on phone? Here we go. Sign in. I'm gonna let me switch to this now. So hold on. Hey, that's fine. Um, that's fine. I will hang up here on the phone, and we will hopefully have him come back with us here on Skype. So we'll see. you have me on 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 Skype phone rather than Skype. Okay. Do um, you? Because uh, I can't get my uh, video to work. Because I let, let's do this. Let me see if I can just call the two Don Mazellas that I have here. Maybe you call call the other one. So I don't know. It said they're both unavailable, but I've hmm. got you here, so that's all that matters. Yeah. And uh, IQ left. I'm assuming IQ will be back. <laughs> so uh, IQ is uh, he'll be in, he'll be out. But uh, but Don, um, there's IQ. Look at that. But uh, so Tim Murphy is going to join us here in just a few seconds. He is going to boot up Skype and uh, get in here with us and and talk about his brand new book. He is a uh, Former congressman, and uh, he is also a uh, apparently a best-selling author. Which at this point, who isn't a best-selling author anymore? Um, well, what's your definition of best-selling? See, that's uh, the thing. I don't know. I, I I have I have always maybe we'll get uh, Tim's Tim's thoughts on that as as we go through the uh, well, go I through heard the program it's here. that sells to all of his family. You know. I, I guess that's where we'll start. Do, Dr. Tim Murphy is with us. He is the author of The Christ Cure, and uh, he is fantastic. And he joins us today via the magic of the old Skip Skype. Yes, the skype rooney And, uh, you know, Doctor, I always, I always hear the term, and I always see it in press releases, best-selling author. What is your definition of a best-selling author? Well, my... <laughs> My definition is that when my book was released, The Christ Cure, uh, Amazon listed as uh, number one bestseller in the categories of post-traumatic stress disorder, Christian counseling, depression, suicide, and anxiety. Uh, so it's based upon the amount of sales. So I'll, I'll take that. Look at that. Well, there you go, Don. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll accept that. 
So uh, let's start with, with, with Don Mazzella. Don, well, what kind of questions here do you have for uh, former Congressman Dr. Tim Murphy? Well, first, what's the basic premise of your book, uh, uh, and why did you write it? That's always the basic question. Sure. So this is a book uh, that deals with the complication of people who have struggled with trauma, with tragedy, and PTSD, hence the name The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Reasons for Healing from uh, Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. We have about 70% of our population at some time in their life will go through a life-threatening event harm to themselves, someone else, major disasters, et cetera. And what happens about 20% of that population will have lingering symptoms. Now we're talking about 40 some million people have lingering symptoms for some time struggling with nightmares, depression, anxiety, flashbacks, uh, struggling with relationships. But 10% will have long-term symptoms of the full post-traumatic stress disorder, hard to shake. And I wrote this book in part because I've struggled with my own depression in my life. You'd think with my resume, I wouldn't have it, but I did. <laughs> but uh, what happens is it's hard for us to shake. Now, as a psychologist, as a psychologist, both in my practice now, but I was also a Navy psychologist, <clears throat> work with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. What happens is talk therapy, <clears throat> excuse me, talk therapy is very helpful for people. And medication can be helpful, but medication will change how you feel, but it doesn't change how you think. And what happens with post-traumatic stress disorder, we get caught in this almost an infinite loop of repeating the same memory over and over and over and over and over. And it forges these brain pathways that's hard to shake. Anxiety and panic keep coming back. We keep having the thoughts. And what our brain does, think of this little part of our brain, the amygdala, like a smoke detector. It's very powerful, can take over our whole system and send out all kinds of stress hormones, ready to fight or flight, but it's kind of dumb because it does not understand the difference, like a smoke detector, between what's really danger, like your house is on fire, and what's just there, like blowing out the candles on a birthday cake. <clears throat> so what happens is when we have our initial traumatic event, it can be life-threatening. It's very scary. It's overwhelming. We develop almost a flashbulb memory for it. We can remember the sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. But when we're thinking about it again, it doesn't really exist. But our brain doesn't know that, so it put, gets us back in the fight-or-flight mode. And so people with prolonged problems with that will get worn out and structurally the brain changes slightly, but it changes enough and it's hard to shake that. So back to our talk therapy issue, and that is that people who struggle with this, uh, we know that those who have a religious faith do better, better outcomes. But most psychologists and therapists don't touch the issue of faith for whatever reason. And a lot of people will turn towards clergy, but a lot of clergy will say, we don't really know what to do about this. And people struggle with it, and their loved ones struggle with it. So I say this is a handbook for the broken and the people who love them. It walks them through biblical characters, particularly the Apostle Paul, who had, uh, had dozens of traumatic events, whippings, stonings, beatings, um, bitten by snakes, stranded in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. But he never seemed to have the symptoms. So when I went to look and say, well, why didn't he? Uh, I thought there must be a book on it, but nobody had written a book on it. So after 2,000 years, here's the book that looks at why didn't Paul suffer from these things? And he makes it very clear that he really uh, did something called, he, he said, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. He thought things through. He understood these are temporary problems. He didn't whine or complain about them. He told, talked about them, but he, but he inspired other people through his example. He said, I've been through pain, I've been through misery, but I, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I lay that out in the book. Here's the stages he went through. Here's the stages we can go through. I meld that with other stories, contemporary stories, and also with 
um, psychological research and science that says why this works. So I hope people look at that who are struggling, and like I say, and the people who love them too. This isn't just for soldiers or policemen or firemen, although that's a lot of the folks that I work with. But as anybody who is really struggling in life with their own tragedies, haven't been able to shake it and need a way out. Hmm. But, but I guess my question um, goes a little further. You say 10% of that 30% are, are really um, traumatized. I would think the number was higher. But more importantly, I guess the question is, uh, you're saying that, that you're taking uh, the biblical world, biblical uh, lessons we learned, and applying it to helping uh, people um, overcome their stress. Am I hearing that correctly? Sure, because there's so many examples in the Bible, this thousands of year old document, which we ought to pay attention to because it's, it's withstood the test of time. So whether you're talking about classic stories about Job who lost everything, <laughs> or you're talking about people like Elijah who was hunted down uh, and uh, hid in a cave a couple of times, and God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Come on out. Or uh, Noah, who's been through the floods, or uh, Jonah uh, in his struggles. But in particular, going through that here is Paul, who one day he's hunting down Christians and arresting them and having them put to death because he believed what they were doing was blasphemy and harming of the Jewish faith. Then after he uh, has this uh, flash of light and uh, Jesus talks to him in Damascus, he changes everything. Everybody who was friend before is now against him. And the people who were, who were his enemies before are now people who don't quite trust him. These transformational moments happen to us rarely in life, but when they do, they could be for good or for bad. And I, I like to think of it as, as we go through life, sometimes we have that whisper, that tap on the shoulder that says, you know, change. You really ought to change. Your life is not going very well. What you're doing doesn't make sense. And sometimes we get that two by four smacking us upside the head and says, this is it. You've got to change. And maybe the person who comes to terms of their alcoholism, their drug addiction, um, whatever they're doing, whatever we all do, because we all have something we do to avoid addressing our issues and our problems, particularly those who have conflicts or depression, et cetera, that the Bible's filled with great examples of people who've overcome it. And what I do in my book is I say, we don't have to run away from our problems. There is tremendous hope. And to take the traumas we face and not move forward despite what happened to us, but turn them into sources of strength because of what happened to us. The soldier who's a better person who says, you know, I went through battle, but I overcame my fear. Uh, the firefighter who goes into the fire and says, I overcame my fear. The people who've been in auto accidents says, you know, I've, I've got to get on with my life. Or the loss of a parent or a loved one or a child, we can get back and, and having a closer relationship with God and with religion is shown that that helps us get over it. So I want people to understand that even though counselors may not be fully aware there's ways you can do it. And I know that there's millions of people out there struggling and suffering and looking for a guide. This is the handbook for you. Well, you bring up police and uh, firemen, et cetera. Uh, and it just came up in, in something last week. But I guess my question is, you know, policemen and firemen rush towards disaster, as do EMTs. What is in their makeup? Uh, and, and someone said, ironically, that you're on this program. It's because they have, they have faith, religious faith. And the fact that they, there's a higher incidence of, of people of faith in, in those uh, categories than, than in most other categories. 
But what is it that makes the difference between those people and the people who cannot uh, um, deal with the traumatic events? Well, for those who cannot deal with the traumatic events, many times we will use things like meditation and calming to calm down the anxiety, the panic attack, the racing heart, the rapid breathing, the sweating. And those calming exercises can be very helpful. Also using and talk therapy, help people to understand that the event was the event, it's over. What was then is over, it's not now. But our brain keeps that going over and over and over. Uh, and it's hard to stop. And sometimes we'll also have what I call a reaction reaction. As we start to panic or feel depressed or can't sleep, we start to think, man, I can't shake this. I can't get rid of this depression. I must be sicker than I thought. Well, if there is nothing beyond this life, if you don't have a faith, then I say, well, where do you go for hope? And faith gives us that destination where we go for hope, that hope of over the horizon, that faith in God, that trust in God helps us put these pieces together. And that's where the firefighter, the policeman, the paramedic, the soldier who have those things can do better. Now, not every one of them has a strong religion. And certainly other people who struggle in life don't have a strong religion. And many of them can and do get better. But what we do know with research is it tells us that why avoid this aspect of religious faith? Because we know how powerful it has been for so long, for thousands of years, to help people get through the, the storm and stress of trauma. So uh, IQ, uh, IQ, uh, IQ what, 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 what do you have for, uh, for Dr. Murphy? Well, from what the doctor is saying, our brain is completely independent of ourselves. It has its own procedure. I mean, when somebody has a stress disorder and can't get rid of it because the brain keeps repeating it, irrespective of whether the person wants to stop it or not. So the brain is really independent of the human mind. Am I right or not? Well, there's parts of the brain which will keep reacting. I think of it this way, that the more we do something and over and over again, the better we get at it. I mean, you, whether you're learning a foreign language or whatever that might be, the more you practice, the better you get. And there's actual nerve fiber tracks that are laid down. Think of it like out west where the Oregon Trail is. We haven't had wagon trains on there for a century, but you can still see the ruts. If you go to Rome and you see the old roads and the Appian Way that the Romans built, you still see the ruts and the chariot marks. What happens is brain cells that fire together get wired together. But what we can do is we can change that, however. You can intervene by, by a process whereby you're learning to calm the emotions and replace those negative thoughts with the proper thoughts. Because when we're recalling a trauma, there's a few things that happen. One part may be accurate, but there's other things we add to the situation, which maybe we're not there, or we expand or overemphasize things that we're not there, or we subtract important elements. So if it's an auto accident, we may think, if only I did this, it wouldn't have happened. Maybe if someone had cancer, if only I had done more of this, it wouldn't have happened. And sometimes, quite frankly, we bring trauma upon ourselves, where we are abandoned, where we feel betrayed, and we start to question ourselves. Well, part of this is to say, I can't do anything about that anymore. I have to accept where things are. I cannot change these aspects of my life. So instead, what we think of all this is, how can I say I have hope, where instead of having a sense of shame that I am broken, I can never be repaired, we can fight those brain messages and say, 
no, it's okay. If I did something wrong, I feel guilt. I need to make reparations and apologies and, uh, and whatever else is needed. But to maintain the thought that I am broken forever and can't be repaired, that puts us in a situation where we can't go to the next powerful step, and that is to ask for forgiveness. And, and, and when we do feel trauma, we're either we're blaming someone else and saying, you know, God can never forgive me for this, or I can't forgive God, or I can't forgive myself or my spouse or wherever it is. But the answer is, yes, you can. And that's one of the ways you get rid of the angry, circular, snake-eating-his-tail grudge that will lead to no or better destruction. And instead to say, I have to free myself from this. I, you know, let, if someone did an injustice to me, let justice deal with them. But I have to get on with my life and be strong for other people. And this is where faith gives us that. Because what God told us repeatedly is, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. But we have a hard time doing that. So I use these six words, God forgives. Others might, I must. And it's an amazing burden that lifts off of us and can change some of those neural pathways. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is fantastic. So, Doctor, uh, what's been the reception to your book so far? Well, it's been very good. Um, I know that a lot of the, the emails I get, I have a website, which is drtimmurphy.com. That's D-R-T-I-M-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com, and where people can also watch or listen to my podcast. Uh, and, and some of my blogs and, and comment to my book. And within that, uh, as well as uh, things that people write on like Amazon or, or ChristianBooks.com, I hear a lot of stories of people who really connect with this. They tell me about their struggles, their own traumas, their difficulties, uh, just opening and bearing their souls to me, much of what happens as a psychologist. Because I know people want to talk about it. They want to be free of it. And they recognize that if all they're doing is drinking or doing drugs or gambling or running around or taking their motorcycle down the highway at 100 miles an hour, whatever they're doing, it doesn't work. It may temporarily make you feel better, but it doesn't work long term. Uh, it doesn't work to be angry and beat yourself up or beat other people up. It doesn't work. Oftentimes, we'll say to people, all right, you have these things, these techniques you use, but seriously, how's it working out for you? And they say, it's not. <laughs> then I say to them, well, do you want to heal or do you want to hurt? Now, it's interesting the response people give to that, because when I ask that question, I'll sit in silence and wait for their answer. And sometimes people answer right away, and sometimes it'll take a while. And sometimes I'll say, well, what's involved with this? What do we have to do? And I say, I'm not negotiating. I want to know, do you want to heal or do you want to hurt? <laughs> I'm not negotiating. They say, well, can I just do it partially? And they say, no, not partially. You tell me if you want to heal, we'll go down that road. If you want to keep hurting, I can't help you. And sometimes someone will say, well, can I keep doing my drugs and still get better? Nope. No. Can I keep drinking? So it? ridiculous. Nope. Why but would people, they think? Listen, because people get caught up in that. Yes. We have yes. habits. We have our go-tos. And even person yeah. may say, well, I don't want to do that anymore. We go right back to it. I mean, let's be honest. We're, we're weak. We're humans. And one of the key characteristics of getting better is humility. And these are some of the things that the Apostle yeah. Paul taught us about humility, about honesty, about courage, about endurance, about persistence, about guilt, about forgiveness. When you start adding these things together, there's really no more room for denial and drugs and deceit and, and delay. You have to hit it head on, but that involves this honest uh, appraisal ourselves and say, you know what, I don't want to keep going on like this anymore. I want to change my life fundamentally and look at the long game and no longer like, well, I can't get through this. Now, some of this is really important too because one of the symptoms of, of trauma reaction and depression is a sleep disorder. And I also address sleep yeah. in my book, too, as well as diet, uh, because if we're eating lousy, 
eating junk food to make ourselves calm down or drinking too much or um, just not getting enough sleep, those can wreak havoc in the whole system because the brain yes. cleans itself at night. And if we're not getting enough sleep, we're pushing ourselves more and more. The irritability returns. There's actually an inflammation that takes place in the brain and the nervous system, slight, which gives us this sensation of depression, anxiety. And then we have this, as I say, the reaction, reaction, oh my gosh, I'm having these reactions. I must really be broken beyond repair. Settle down, cowboy. Let's calm down. Let's get you back to sleep. Let's look at these things because you're not a bad person. Even if you've done some things that are not good, you're still in the eyes of God. You can get back and reconnect uh, and, and there can be a better future for you. That is uh, awesome. Uh, doctor, uh, is there a part of this, the survivor guilt uh, feeling uh, in a traumatic situation where one person dies and the other person lives? Is, is this not um, uh, something that comes up in many of these cases? It, it does, whether it's surviving uh, a death or one person gets injured and one doesn't or the child gets cancer and the parent doesn't. There's also the moral injury issue, and that is when we have to take a, an action that really goes against some of our core principles. Like we don't want to harm other people. We don't want to kill someone. Um, but something that soldiers and police deal with as well. Uh, the, the fireman who comes out of a fire and says, you know, I couldn't get to the baby. I couldn't save them in time. Those are part of the, the stories that go with it. But the issue is that person has to deal with, come to terms with is it is what it is. Um, and whatever happened, it's a matter of going forward and why did you survive? And you have a greater purpose in life. And it's not to live in the past and to dwell in the anxiety of the past. But what can you do now to help people and take care of people? That's what's critically important. Well, mm. Dr. Tim Murphy has been our guest uh, for the first half of our program here. Um, Dr. Tim, thanks for being with us. Before we let you go, how do we get in touch with you online, social media, buy your books, everything? Well, again, make it simple. My website is drtimmurphy.com. That's D-R-T-I-M-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. My blog's there. My podcast is there. Order my book through there. You can order the book also through Amazon, through uh, Christian Books, uh, Books A Million, um, bookstores, etc. And I do ask people to do that with the idea that, again, not just those who are broken, but their loved ones, too. I don't get a lot out of each book. It's like a buck. And I dedicated that back to my work I do with veterans and first responders uh, who can't afford their care. So I do ask people to look at that and, and help out. Uh, and if you like it, please put a positive note on some of these websites, too, to inspire other people to have it, too. I'm also on LinkedIn. I think that's Tim Murphy, Ph.D. is what I have on there, too. So connect with me. I'd be happy to uh, uh, communicate with people through my website as well. And I want to thank you for having me on because there's a lot of people out in the world with depression and anxiety and PTSD who are afraid to ask for help because they say, I must be weak. I can't do this. And you know what I say to them? Join the club. I've been there, and there's hope for us. <laughs> well, we doctor, all have, doctor. Yes, yes. Well, congratulations on a great book, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. All right, bye now. Appreciate it, brother. There he goes. That is Dr. Tim Murphy. He joins us uh, for our first half of our big broadcast, and our second guest is with us today. The fantastic Michael Letts is with us, and uh, he, of course, is the founder and president and CEO of Invest USA, a national grassroots nonprofit organization that is helping hundreds of communities provide thousands of bulletproof vests for their police forces through educational, public relations, sponsorship, 
fundraising programs. He's also had over 30 years of law enforcement experience under his belt. Hence, his pro-police stance for his brothers and his sisters in blue. And uh, you can get more information on his incredible website, inbestusa.org. That's I-N-B-E-S-T-U-S-A dot O-R-G. The fantastic Michael Letts is with us on the telephone. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Always a privilege to be on your show, and thank you for what you're doing to make sure the truth is put across the airwaves and our beloved country of America. Well, thank you, sir. We have got also the fantastic Don Mazzella and, of course, our good friend IQ Rizzoli with us today. Mm-hmm. And um, so, Michael, let, let's first of all talk a little bit about this, um, the FBI's use of uncorroborated intelligence in their investigation of Trump, Russia. Talk to us a little bit about the incompetence that this has become. Well, I will tell you this, it's really very disheartening. And the reason why I use those words is because this is basic law enforcement 101. You never take a statement without corroboration. I mean, whether I like you, whether I don't like you, you give me a statement, it causes me to have questions and wants me to vet it out. But don't ever take a statement that you don't vet out. On this particular issue, what's even worse, what the evidence shows, is not only did they take the statements and they they are saying they didn't really vet them, actually that's not 100% accurate. They vetted them enough to know that they weren't true, and they moved forward with them anyway. That is criminal. That is criminal behavior to abuse our justice system. And so, you know, you had Matt Gates in the House today saying, hey, we need to defund the FBI. And, of course, you know, we have never been in favor of defunding any police agency. But we have always been in favor of holding agencies, regardless of who you are, police, uh, justice, environmental, whatever it is, people need to be held accountable for their actions. Yes. We have always believed that, you know, you should withhold funding for an agency that is knowingly in violating the, the order of the law, the letter of the law. And in this case, what we have seen today is not only are they violating the basic letter of the law, they're going a step further. They're actually criminalizing the law by taking information that they know is inaccurate and untrue and moving forward with it anyway. So, Don, jump in there, my friend. Well, what what can I say? He he said it all. But you know what's really sad is the the FBI reaction. Well, we'll put in new rules, you know. But uh, I I don't if you read the report, which I went through uh, two nights ago, you know, at the end of it, he says, he doesn't expect the FBI to, uh, to needs to change. Rather, its people must adhere to to its original uh, charter, and they're not. That to me is, is you you got some bad apples in there, and then I believe it starts at the top. What do you think? No question. Well, no question. To follow with what you're just saying, uh, what makes it such a strong statement that you just referenced to. It would be one thing if the director, Comey, or somebody along those lines, Mueller, or somebody else, uh, Ray, had said, I want you to do this. And there had been a paper trail. Of, we'll do it if you're ordering it, but it's wrong. We shouldn't be doing it, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that your deputies and on down the line comply with a request that you know is unlawful, you know is wrong, that's what becomes disconcerting. 
And that's where you consider just saying, oh, okay, we'll fire the director, let's bring in a new one and everything's fine. No, we're way beyond that point now. When you have people that will knowingly allow themselves, regardless of whether they initiated it or not, to be a part of criminal activity, and that is, we need to push that statement. It is criminal to take facts that you know are not true and use them to get a Pfizer court order and use them to investigate and to further an investigation that you know is unmerited and unwarranted. That's criminal. And for allow any agent, regardless of whether it's at the top or midway through to the bottom, if you participated knowing good and well that your conscience was felt the pings of knowing what you were doing was wrong, then you don't deserve to stay in an honored profession such as law enforcement. Well, look, they're, they're, they're stonewalling on this document for uh, Hunter Biden. You know this document must be uh, red hot. If you read that six-page response from the FBI that the, that the House posted, you, uh, you, sit, you sit there. The House subpoenaed the thing, and uh, the FBI is stonewalling. Last time I looked, the House was, the, um, was part of the federal government, and the, the FBI reported to it. But, the, but they're saying no. Well, we're talking about the document. Well, you, you're, this shows you how widespread the problem is, because this is a whole separate issue that you're talking about. You're having a document that they have not denied exists. They do uh, stating does exist. Congress has oversight authority with the Department of Justice, which includes the FBI. They have every right to see when you have an allegation of criminal activity in the very upper echelons of our government, starting with the White House itself, the Commander-in-Chief, and they refuse to provide any cooperation as to whether that uh, evidence is real or what they're, what they're doing about it. See, they'd like to hide behind the news today. They've got a slick, I use the word slick, a slick uh, statement that they always say, that's under investigation, we can't talk about it. There is no law that says they can't talk about it. There is nothing in a protocol manual that says it's a things are an investigation. You can't talk about it. Where that whole thing originated in law enforcement was you needed to be careful while you were continuing an investigation not to tip off other people who may be being investigated or being involved. That's all it was trying to say. It was not trying to say you could hide and stonewall information from the general public or from the uh, Congress or anyone else. Uh, I, I don't want to monopolize. I, IQ, question? Yeah. The same question that I have been discussing on James's for the last 14 years. You have a corrupt system starting literally at the top. That means from the President of the United States today all the way down. You're right. Even the lower echelons are corrupt. That means the whole body is corrupt. It has to be eliminated and something to be replacing it. Do you agree with that? I agree wholeheartedly. This has been my position all along. Is at first I thought we could salvage the agency by just restructuring in the senior management. I now believe the corruption has gotten so low. There are still thousands and thousands of great agents out there. But unfortunately, the perception and uh, the appearance has now been proven 
that there are so much corruption, the only way to restore public confidence is to eliminate the agency and then determine whether it needs to be restructured and rebuilt from anew or whether it can be merged with somebody else or how we need to continue to move forward from this point on. And that is a issue for the American people. I will tell you this. I think we need to not just stop at one particular area. The Department of Justice is the same way. Our court system has become the same way. You can get court decisions now based on your political affiliation or the amount of money and influence that you have. That is totally corrupt. We need to totally redo not just an agency, but our justice system has unfortunately been victimized, and we've allowed it to happen, by left extremists, by communist ideology, and because of that, it is totally corrupt, and we need to restructure our entire justice system. It's an irony. For years, I've been telling James that America is becoming a banana republic when it comes to justice, that you have absolutely no justice. And in fact, you don't have any justice anymore. No, you really don't. And to validate that point is you can have one case that's fantastic, but if you have another case and it is corrupt, then you, you have no justice because you are not assured what kind of a case you will get when you stand before a trial. And so there is. You're exactly right. As long as there is corruption that is being allowed to permeate, then no one in America can feel safe. The justice system will protect them the way it was meant to be. And I'll tell you what, unless the justice system of America today starts at the top, I mean, literally at the top, no matter who they may be. I mean, we know damn well that Hillary Clinton was involved in all the shenanigans. Why is it anybody no going after her? We know about Hunter Biden. Why Why hasn't he been indicted for the last two, three years? Why? I don't get it. If you are a single human being in America, an ordinary man, you or you or myself or James, had done one-tenth or one-hundredth of what he had done, yes. we'd have been in prison by now. Oh, if they'd have known you were just thinking about it, they would have already put you six feet under the prison. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. What about these two, uh, the attorney general in... Uh, Massachusetts and the county prosecutor in St. Louis. Well, uh, uh, are you familiar with those two? They just resigned? I am the, the, the U.S. attorney in uh, Massachusetts yes. and, you know, the district attorney in uh, uh, Minneapolis. Both are our seven generals. And why is that? Same. Uh, when you, think of, you know, the uh, county attorney, the district attorney was funded by Soros. You can't deny that. I mean, the majority of her campaign was funded for that way. So she's delivering on campaign promises to somebody who publicly says his goal is to reclassify uh, and, and destroy our justice system and redo it. Of course, not the way that it should be done based on fairness and value and conservative principles, but based on what they want. And they want to, to total control. They wanted to decide what justice is. They don't like you. You're guilty. They like me. No, I don't care what I did. I'm fine. Keep, keep moving. That is their opinion of justice, and that is absolutely wrong. And then, of course, in Massachusetts, uh, wow, what an embarrassment to a U.S. president to have just appointed a U.S. attorney who now has to step down because of ethical conflicts. Well, the interesting thing, and by the way, it's St. Louis, not Indianapolis, but uh, 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 Senator Cruz, um, when she was up for nomination, and by the way, it took the vote of... Uh, uh, Vice President Harris to uh, get her in. He he predicted everything that she did. I mean, if you want to go back, there's a wonderful YouTube of, of Senator Cruz um, 
talking about her, which is amazing. But but it's it's it sad. Uh, it's sad and frightening, in my view. The ironic part is everybody complains about her, her, um, about J. Edgar Hoover, but you want to know something? He kept the, the uh, kept the, the FBI clean. You know, well, that's exactly right. And you know, there's nothing wrong with having tight reins. It's when you decide to use those tight reins for nefarious reasons that it becomes a real issue. And that's what we have now. And they, we have allowed our administrations, and I use the word plural because it wasn't just Joe Biden. It was the Obama administration, the Clinton administration, and others, and even the Bush administration, uh, to put people in places of power that they could appoint uh, deputy directors who would stay after they were gone and fulfill their mandates and their policies as time progressed. And we sat back and allowed that to happen. I think the American people are now seeing the terrible, disastrous results of that. But they want to know what are we going to do about it. And that's the next question. What are we going to do about it? I have quite a few good answers for that, but uh, we're going to have to see whether any of them get implemented. Unfortunately, I, uh, I have very little faith that anything will be done. Do you know that uh, the New York Times devoted just uh, 12 inches of space to the Durham report, yeah, you know, doesn't surprise me, and, and that and, will continue as long as we have the liberal media, mainstream media that we have now. Yes, and, and the, the, there was less than seventy seconds on any of the uh, major uh, networks. It's it's really um, disgusting. But let me ask you a different question. Uh, you you talk to police across the country. Correct. Uh, you know, when I talk to them, you know, uh, obviously I'm a big supporter of the of, of the police. I, I get the feeling that uh, the, their their morale is really deteriorating. Do you get that impression too? There's no question. We have the lowest. I tell people this all the time in speeches across the country. We have the highest number of assaults and you know, targeted deaths of officers in history as of this moment that we're speaking now. We have the highest number of suicide rates among law enforcement officers in history as of this moment. We have the lowest morale ever recorded in the history of law enforcement in this country as of now. That is on a high speed track to disaster. The thin blue line is starting to show the cracks and it's fixing to break. When it breaks, because I'm surprised it hasn't broken already, because people like myself don't want their son to wear the badge, even though we've worn it for 30 years. Uh, they, um, there won't be anybody left to pick up the badge. The biggest issue that I hear across the country in sheriffs, police chiefs, directors, first question you ask, what's the major uh, issue confronting your department? Can't find anybody to put a badge on. We can't get who we're losing. The people are dropping like flies because of the defund the police, BLM, the, the lack of support, the ridicule of, of law enforcement. And then we can't, because the media portrays that, anybody in their right mind wouldn't want to go into that kind of career and scenario. And so we're losing them, we're left and right, and we can't replace them with anybody. And that's the problem. And then what's going to happen is those that you do replace them with, you have to lower the standards so low that that would just further the complaints that you hear circulating. And of course, it's all part of an orchestrated movement. And I've stated this repeatedly from day one. This is not happenstance. 
this is well orchestrated. What the government wants to do, the federal government has already said, that's why you've seen the IRS just in the last couple months spend $10 million on tactical gear for its 83,000 officers that they're attempting to hire. It's amazing to me you're not going to buy them a 38 police special to put on their ankle just in case somebody gets too violent in an auto check. No, they're getting tactical gear. They're getting SWAT rifles, shields, active shooter vests. They're getting a, a raid teams ready. $10 million just within a couple months. Unreal. They're doing this with more officers than the Marine Corps has. And they're putting all this together for the one reason that they have stated. And they have stated that in the federal government's opinion, violent crime is surging because of the fact we have too many guns. So if we take control, we will reduce and eliminate the guns and thus eliminate crime. And that's where they're headed. They want to take away our Second Amendment right. Yes, couldn't agree. But can I ask you a different question? Sure. Why, why do um, uh, I talk to a lot of policemen for a variety of reasons? But why is the uh, why do policemen kill themselves? I, I've never, uh, you know, of fifty years I've been dealing. But why do they have such a high suicide rate? Well, you know, I'm also a police chaplain. And so this is right up my alley. And I will be, you know, obviously I won't show personal illustrations, but I will tell you the uniform theme that goes through every counseling session I have. And that is this. We are supposed to be honored and respected to provide justice for our neighbors, for our community. That justice includes taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves, children, et cetera. We now realize that the system that we are in is not about justice. It's about politics, okay? If there is a human trafficking, sex trafficking change going on, they get ignored oftentimes at the direction of higher-ups because it's generating revenue. We, Where else do we turn? You tell They ask me this question. You tell me how this is going to get solved. I don't want to be in a society that's hit rock bottom that has no justice. And we're expected to provide justice, and they look to us, why aren't you doing your job? And what do we say? Hmm. I, 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 I can't answer that question. Uh, what, what do you say? You can't. There's nothing other than to say this. I ask you to keep your values and principles intact and that together we be united and we force change on this country and not change out of some kind of radical uh, elements, but change for what this country was initially founded upon. And that's values and principles and that's true justice. It's still there. We just have to bring it back. With all due respect, you will never get it back peacefully, ever. You I'm have not to necessarily going to disagree with that. You have to have another 1776. I've been saying okay, we did it one came... time before. Well, there is no way on earth you get to do it legally. They will not allow yeah. you to do it legally because you don't yeah, have the legal correct. system. It's a corrupt system. I've been saying it, and they tell me I'm inciting. No, I'm not inciting. I am saying it because it's truthful. There is no way on earth the American people will get their freedom without a bloodshed. We learned that the hard way 250 years ago. Thank you. We have to repeat it. Hmm. But let me ask you, the, uh, in, the, in the election in Philadelphia, the law and order candidate 
uh, my question is, does she really believe it? Uh, totally obliterated the progressive candidates. Do you think that's a, um, an omen for the future, or do you just think it's politics as usual? No, I, I think it's a little of both, and here's what I mean by a little of both. I truly believe that there is a vast majority of Americans that still believe in values, principle, and justice. I also believe, first of all, that they don't understand or they're beginning to realize how quickly they're losing it. Second of all, they're not quite sure exactly what they could do to get it back. As they begin to work through those two and they're understanding it, they realize that what the third gentleman just said, it may actually cost a price to do this. How many Americans are still willing to pay a price? I wish I knew that answer. I do not. Well, I think we're all paying a price now. Oh, I would agree with that. We're paying a, we're paying a price, but the sad part about it is we're all paying the price. If people stand together to demand freedom and justice, they'll target those that stand together to demand freedom and justice. And uh, everybody wants to say, why don't you do it? And I'll stand way back here and, and, and clap for you. But you mm-hmm. get the point, not me. It's hard to get people to stand up with principle anymore. Yes. Amen. But let me ask you a different question. The thi- is the thin blue line uh, cracking along black and white uh, lines? No. Actually, that, 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 that's a myth. That, that, uh, there is as many blacks that are suicidal. Uh, as many, I'm talking about in law enforcement, as many whites. So there are both the same as many blacks and whites that are disgusted with the issue. What you find amazing is that the blacks that are in law enforcement see just what really is going on and how corrupt it's become, and they're just as disgusted. And then, of course, you have, and you can't blame them, you have the home front. You come home, you know, I mean, you've you seen nothing but the worst. You've seen nothing but hell all day long. And then you catch hell at night. And why? Because the valid question is asked. Why are we going through all this for as little as they pay you? And it's not going to make any difference anyway. Why don't you get out and go drive a garbage truck and we can at least be happy without the pressure? That's sad. Yes. No. But is, why is there such a high incidence of divorce within the police? It's the same principle of what I just alluded to. It is so stressful because of the fact that we as society are making it stressful because we don't back our first responders. We don't put a premium on them. We don't pay them what they're worth. We don't support them. We ignore the corruption. And quite frankly, you know, when you're a cop, you go lock somebody up, and then you're getting back on the street, and before you go home on your way home, you notice the guy's back out. He got out faster, and he got home quicker than he did. <laughs> yes. You know, you have to stop and begin to wonder the question. Then you know when you get home, you're not making enough money. We can't pay the bills. Are you making a difference? Well, you know what you just saw on the way home, so can you really answer that one, you truthfully? So why are we doing this? Explain this to me. Uh And I'll tell you what the answer is, and I want America to hear this. These men and women don't do this because they have some false perception of what law enforcement is. They do it because they truly believe it's a calling, and they want to serve their fellow man, and they want to protect and honor. And that's what they've always been taught that law enforcement was up to this point. 
And so it's a calling in their heart. And yes, oh, they could leave and go drive a garbage truck tomorrow, but they wouldn't be happy, and they know it. And so we put them between a rock and a hard place. I found it interesting that they didn't release the name of the officer that killed killed the uh, uh, that shooter. Um, I, I want to say Texas, the most recent shooting, when he rushed in and, and stopped the stopped the uh, uh, killer before he could do more damage. They still haven't released his name. Is that because it, um, uh, they're fearful that? Uh, uh, he will get other. He will not be honored, but rather uh, vilified. Correct. And, and I've I've had discussion with him there. So I mean, I know firsthand what we're dealing with. It's a two-edged sword. If I release your name today, you know, I can get you know, fifty people that that want to call in on this show and say what a great job you did. Thank you. But I get ten people that are really nasty, and those ten people that call to say you know we don't like you, they go the step further. They try to find out where you are, where you live, where your kids go to school, and you have to wonder whether it's worth the risk. Well, evidently, he didn't think about it. He just did it. Well, see, and that, that's the kind of men and women that we have in our profession now, in law enforcement. They do it because it's a calling, and they respond because it's in their blood. And they do things without thinking because that's their training, and they're determined to serve and to protect but then, just as we're alluding about just a minute ago, why don't you release those names? You do release the name, and then something goes south. Uh, the uh, uh, assailant's friends or whatever happen to find out and pay retribution. They just sometimes you just you kind of you know you you know you're, you're messed up if you do, you messed up if you don't. You just don't really know which way to turn. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're in the right place here. You know, I always remember the Abbott and Costello in their show, at the end of the show, uh, uh, Costello always used to say, if you see a policeman in your trouble, go towards them, not away from them. But nowadays we seem to say the, just the opposite. Uh, it's exactly. just, you know, that's that's a sad part. Um, and what is so sad in, in this uh, program that we're doing now is, there is something new to talk about about every 15, 20 minutes. Corruption is just oozing out everywhere within this administration, across the country. And uh, the only way to deal with it, and I know I get extreme criticism for it, is when our top law enforcement agencies, the Department of Justice, the uh, Bureau, and others, have proven by their behavior that there is corruption going on. Our court system has proven by its behavior that it too is corrupted. The only place you can turn to now is it's time that we have to have a military tribunal to come in and hold these people accountable. You took an oath of office to uphold and defend the Constitution from enemies both domestic and abroad. It's time. I don't care whether you're still in the service or not. You took the oath. It's time that you, you're you getting called up again, shall we say. It's time you honor the oath, and it's time that we stand and say, no, you're not going to do this to my country. And a military tribunal, which is authorized by both the Constitution and the War Powers Act, be convened. And the great part about a military tribunal is they don't sit around and give you answers like, oh, it's under investigation. We can't talk about it. They get to the bottom within 60 days, and they will tell you whether uh, the code of justice has been violated. And if it has, 
here's what has been piloted and here's the terms of what needs to be done for punishment as listed by the law. And it well, is swiftly carried out. You know, some people have said even the military has been corrupted. but uh, It has. But here's the great part about it. Here's my response when I get asked that question on, on, on programs across the country. A military tribunal is not a tribunal of your top four-star uh Joint Chiefs of Staff officers. It is class of it is it is a military tribunal is run and overseen by what we call middle and junior officers, captains, majors, colonels, and they still have the gumption. They have not been tainted enough politically yet to know what's right and to do the right thing. Well, Michael, as we uh, wrap up here, uh, let's start with. IQ Alrizoli, give, give give me your take on uh, today's show and and everything else. IQ, Michael impressed me with how low key his voice is, very calm, not agitated, and I'm so upset that he's calm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always been told IQ, because you know I also have a military background. Uh, the the ones we watch out for in special ops the most are the people who are the, the calmest with the with, with the coldest hand. Those are the ones you got to be the most careful of. <laughs> I take your point. Thank you very much. God bless you. So uh, bless you. so Don Mazella, bring us up to speed on your projects uh, and, and uh, everything uh, else. Well, well, I'm just waiting for my publisher. Two SB Digest. <laughs> www. www. Digest. Hashtag 2SB Digest, and of course, the National uh, uh, <coughs> Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen um, uh, <laughs> NREF.org. Well, uh, Michael, before we let you go, uh, how do we get in touch with Invest USA and, and, and all your various projects? Well, they'll go to our website. That's I-N-D-E-S-T-U-S-A dot org. It's a charity dot O-R-G. All these articles and information is listed there. There's a litter of things they can do. They can contribute to help make sure our officers have the necessary vest they need so that they can be on a equal and safe par with our criminal element. But most importantly, we just ask you to be involved because we won't get a second chance, America. This is your final chance to either keep us free or to lose the last bastion of freedom in the world. And it's ours for the losing. I'm confident that we can keep it, but I'm also confident, as IQ said, there's going to be a cost, and we're going to have to be willing to pay it. We've never not been willing to pay it. Let's not make this the first time. I will. Keep up your work. Good work, Keep up the good work, my friend. And uh, Don, we will talk to you next week. And IQ, uh, we will talk to you as well. And uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. My privilege. Y'all have a great day. God bless. Appreciate it. There they go. That is IQ Al Rizzoli. Don Mazzella and uh, the incredible Michael Letts. So that wraps it up here. We will inevitably... See you next time. Thanks for joining us on the stream. Thanks for joining us on JiggyJagwire.com. Of course, Twitch. Twitch on Twitch today. And uh, that is that. See you next time. As I say.
chicken grease. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.